Welcome to the Transformation Podcast. My name is Chris Sanchez, and I'm joined with Darren Davis, pastor and senior leader here at the Harbor Church. Darren, today we speak with Spencer Lawrence. He is a man after God's own heart, right? I mean, he's, no he's someone who is open and he shares and he's so connected and his heart is very tender to the Father and his story showed that. So what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, first of all, Spencer's a fellow Montana brother with me, <laughs> so that's that's amazing. Just never thought I'd have another guy from all the way out west here in, in South Florida world, but he's a special guy. Him and his wife, you know, Amanda, they moved all the way here from a ministry they were serving in Chicago, and so I have tremendous respect for anybody who's going to pick up, relocate, sacrifice, put it all on the line to come and lay their life down for what's going on here, but this one is, uh, you got to buckle up because it's, it's a deep one, man, and, and you got to really listen. I think that Spencer takes us on a journey of his heart that is very profound, and again, just the only word I can say is deep, and it's, it's coming out of a very, very rich well, if you will, yeah. of wisdom and understanding and knowledge of walking with Jesus. So we look forward to tuning in and just hearing again a life that's been transformed by Jesus and a life that now is transforming culture around him. excited that you are here at the Transformation Podcast. I have known you and seen you from a distance for a while, and we've gotten to grow a little bit closer as friends. And man, I, I'm just eager and excited for people to hear your story. So thank you for being here. It's awesome. Happy to be. I want to start. I mean, let's just start right at the feet of Jesus. Why are you a believer? Why are you in this room, in this city, at this church? Like, what is it about him that you said yes to mm. that now you've pursued in your life? Wow. Yeah. Well, I'll say that the, the list of questions I was given, this is not the first question. Uh, pro- just ignore those. Oh, okay. I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Why are you here? Why have you given your life to Jesus? That's, man, th- I think this is a Holy Spirit-inspired question just because I think I live a life that wants to answer the whys. I'm, I'm genuinely, I, I ask that question, not God, why did you let this happen? I mean, I think that's a very I think fundamental question that humans have to wrestle with as it pertains to things that unfold in their life, certain things that they don't understand. And I get that. I, I've come to a place of going, there's too much I won't understand, and I'm okay with it. There are certain things I will wrestle with for sure because I know God will speak in the searching, the seeking, and the knocking. But the why that we turn in on ourselves is powerful. Bill Johnson has a quote. It's, I love it, but he, he'll say often, he'll go, a lot of times that I go into self-inflection or self-reflection without Jesus, I don't come out better. I come out worse. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the case. I, I, we can easily find ourselves there. And even as Christians that like have a faith in Jesus, have a relationship with him, sometimes go, oh, we know ourselves best. And we feel what we feel. Other people don't. Our narrative, our experiences are our experiences. But even at 31, God has been bringing you back to the basics of going, I actually know you better than you even know yourself. So asking questions about 
our own motivations, even as it relates to Jesus, is is a powerful question. But without him, and I, I want to just take a minute, without him, we find ourselves as believers, as people of God, and even as leaders, giving answers from our own story that, yes, are God, for real. Like, like yes, this is what God has done in my life. But a lot of times we are trying to give someone else our answers. Yeah. You know? Wow, yeah. And And the reality is I love Jesus because he led me to himself, has continued to lead me to himself again and again. And the reality is there's truth I can speak into someone else's life, but there's no substitute for the way that he will lead someone to himself. And I've seen that happen in ministry. And there've been times where I've had powerful, you know, ministry times where I'm like firing on like words of knowledge, speaking into somebody's life. I just feel, feel Jesus all over it because I'm connected to Jesus heart. And that is a incredibly beautiful place to be, to minister from the heart of God. But I'm still no substitute for his own heart. So the reality and even the surrender sometimes of coming into his presence is, is going, I am willing to be led in, even into relationship. And that has looked different through different stages of my life, of him leading me into, into like knowing him. Because in a certain season, I feel like I know him really well and I know so much about him and I want to tell everyone about him. And there's other seasons where I go, I knew you in this season, but in this season, I need to know you. So what is it specifically, just to get to like the yeah. why? Oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I, man, that's awesome. Well, I think what you, what you kind of look at is you look at like volumes, like books. You know, it's like, which book do you want to pull out? And is this in my first 10 years, my second 10 years, and now my you know, third 10 years of life? But to answer whole, like the wholeness of that question of like, why? Why do I follow Jesus? Why do I love him? So this week I was working... <laughs> at my, at my computer. And if you know me, which a lot of listeners don't, I, I, it's the straight answer sometimes. I can give it, but I'd rather like, I'm a, I love understanding. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Okay. I want to know why somebody said that answer. Come yeah. back to the why. But yeah, sitting at my computer, I work for a nonprofit and we're in a lot of, we're literally working in the, in the poorest of the poor, nations of the poorest of the poor. And I wasn't planning on sharing this. <laughs> I was actually going to keep it and like, keep it as a Jesus treasure for a little while and see what I'm supposed to do with it. But I just got overwhelmed just sitting there and I got sad like we do. And I kind of got like discouraged just because I was like, man, I I'm in ministry. I work for a ministry. We're trying to reach the world and it is heavy. It feels heavy at times. And I know all the answers, put that heaviness on Jesus, give it to him. Mm. I know all the answers that are like, be at rest, like find, find strength and rest and co-laboring with Jesus. And I, and I know that. And it's, it's practice for sure. But I, I just had to go to Jesus with my real thoughts and my real feeling. I'm like, why, God, why do I keep doing this? Like, wh- why? I'm 31, and, and potentially, you know, if I live to 70, there's 40, 50 more years of just saying yes to this. And, and it's a hard road at times for sure. And it's not, it's not not Christian to acknowledge the hardship. Right. It's Jesus to acknowledge the hardship. Yeah, exactly. Like, he really is. He's, he's the one who is the example of Leading, leading us, even now, roads himself that were really hard. But I just sat there, and I just had to be honest. Like I'm like, I feel kind of defeated. I feel overwhelmed. And why would I not give my life to something that, in the world's terms, makes you more happy? I listened to Kevin's story in his podcast, and like his testimony revolved around giving the world a shot. And there were seasons of life, for sure, that I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to give my own choices, the things that bring me like physical pleasure and the things that bring my life just, um, you know, make me feel good (laughs) tangibly, whether that's relationship, whether that's pornography, whether that's drugs and alcohol, whatever, you know, there's an endless list of those things. And they were never satisfying ever, like it left me more empty. And I think anybody that's ever given their lives to those things for any period of time, you're more empty, you're more broken than when you started. But that wasn't the answer that I needed this time. I was just like, God, why? Why? In a, in a place of feeling like heavy, it's 2020. There's a lot. Oh, yeah. And I just sat with Jesus in that heaviness. And, I, and, and then I, I remembered certain moments in my life and, and God spoke this into my spirit, like little, like a, a spirit, Holy Spirit whisper. And he said, because you felt fear, panic, you felt the kingdom of darkness, shudder. You, you've been in moments where you looked from the world's perspective, you looked to be the victim and weak and powerless. But when you stepped into my authority, when you stepped in to like be with me, this is an upside down kingdom. I, I shifted the thing entirely. And the, the picture that came to my head was I went to a, a rock show, a hard, hardcore rock show in Chicago late night. You know, if my mom knew I was there, she wouldn't be happy kind of a thing. <laughs> But there was a, a like a death metal band there, pretty into occult stuff, heavy, dark. And they had a whole gang with them, like literal like gang members. And so the room was full of the, this, this band's gang. And not even like a cool, like we wear the t-shirts, like hurt people kind of gang. Right, right. And it f- felt scary, like real scary. But there was another band on tour, Holy Spirit filled, Kingdom Sons of God. And these guys, they, 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 they like walked out this, this thing and, as their mission of going like, we want, to, we want to see Jesus. We want to bring light into the darkest places. We want to see Jesus heal where people don't believe he exists. These, these kind of guys, powerful dudes. Love who they are. Tommy Green, Sleeping Giant. If anybody who's listening wants to kind of hear their stories, Sean Bowles did a podcast with, with him, hear his story. But yeah, so this, this, heavy, this death metal cult band led, and they came off, and then this, this hardcore, this Christian hardcore band came on. And rather than the, the fans coming onto the floor and wanted to sing songs, there were probably like, I don't know, 25, 30, like young guys that just started pacing the floor, furious, but not angry. Because this is an angry show. Everybody's full of like hate, anger, angst, Angst, punch each other, hurt each other. But these guys were were in prayer. The band hadn't played one set yet. And we just started tearing down anything in the room that the enemy thought was victory. And, 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 I, and I'm 1920 and I'm seeing like young men just go like, I'm living for something more. Like I, I live in real victory and I'm, I'm light in the darkest places. We talk about that. And I'm telling you, it's probably 15, 20 pr- prayer warriors and probably like 50 to a hundred of these gang guys. And in a room of probably four or 500, everybody couldn't stand in the middle of the room. Everybody's against the wall not afraid of, of weirdos praying, but didn't know what to do with something that didn't look broken, that didn't look dysfunctional, that didn't look like, because people look to align with something that makes sense to them and it didn't make sense because it wasn't looking to hurt anyone. It was actually looking to like tear that down, tear down any, anything that was like against like people in the room that would, that, would, that would damage and destroy their lives. And in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, hell hates this. Hell hates this. And it's not that I'm out to pick a fight with hell. That's not why I say yes to Jesus. But I think there's part of me that goes, I want to ask Jesus the questions that people 
have the hardest time asking him. People, I, I know stories, intense stories. Like I'm connected to people with, my brother is currently a meth addict in the streets. And so I, I, I daily, weekly, monthly have to ask the question, where are you, Jesus, in that? And, I, and out of even just a place of going, my heart hurts. It hurts a lot to be connected to a story like that day in and day out. But if I'm not certain he is in those moments and he is victory in darkness, then, then I live trying to avoid darkness. And so there, my answer, why is a soup? That's a long answer, but it's because I've said, God, I want to, I want to know where you are in the hardest, darkest places. And he's always shown up. And it's not just here. I'm here to give you a hug. He, he comes and he, he overthrows. Was that your first encounter of something like that? You know, I mean, I, I, I just like, I like to see it. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus says a lot of things. The son of man has come to serve and not be served. You know, the son of man has come to heal and bind up the brokenhearted. There's a variety of these terms. One of the things that, that I've based my life around is the son of man has come to destroy the works of the devil. And I'm not okay. Like I've just, I'm not okay with living like Jesus and with Jesus and being okay with the works of the devil working alongside or in the world around. I, part of, part of what I know, even my wife and I, were created to do life together to destroy those works as well. But it's once again, it's not out of anger. It's not out of spite and out of hate or even looking, you know, for a fight with the devil. It's out of going like, this is what happens when King Jesus, the risen one, leads those in the train of, of his robe, the victory. And so I think it's been a, it's been a journey because I've seen the victory of God in my life. My, my, my parents, I know you, you asked a question that you emailed me, like, what did my, what did my family life look like? And I would say my, my family like stewarded testimonies of, of victory and breakthrough. And so from a young age, we'd just talk about the works of God. And so I got hungry for that. It's, I, I think we're not supposed to be satisfied by going, I'm hungry to see God move. And it's beautiful. You, what you do is you celebrate what he's doing. I don't care how little it is. If it's, you know, a neighbor brought over food, like, this is such, such a blessing. Or it's like, blind eyes, deaf ears being opened or somebody getting, getting delivered. There's just not comparison in that, but it's, it's going like, I, I don't, I don't st- sit in a place of going, you know, like I've seen enough because <laughs> it's, it's not enough. The earth is wanting to see it be f- filled with the glory of God. You had mentioned earlier chapters, right? One through 10, 10 through 20, 20 through 30 chapters in your life. And that how you always pursue the questions, yeah. the hard, difficult questions with Jesus. Yeah. Can we go there? Yeah, Can totally. we go with some of those questions that you've experienced maybe in each mm. one of these chapters of, of your life and just kind of the transformation that you have felt yeah. when you've received the answers for those questions? Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it, it's kind of distilling like years. And so I love my wife and I that our stories are so different because she was not raised in a Christian family. Her family is still not believers and don't attend church. I do believe that on some level they've, they've encountered the love of God and know he's real. And that's enough. That's beautiful there. Um, and they see him in, in our lives, obviously. But I grew up in a family that, um, you know, my, my parents were already Christian. And so I think those questions look different. It's been so interesting to hear, you know, my wife go, hey, this is, these are the questions I've asked God, you know, in my young years. And me, obviously there's, there's, we're human, so we all ask questions. God, are you real? Am I going to heaven? Yeah. You know, these real questions. Some people might feel, though, like, totally. they, like they shouldn't ask those questions. Yeah. yeah. And what do you think about that? I, that I, this is why 
you are gifted in the way you are? That that's that's such a good question because I don't care if you if you sat under like the best teaching, you still have questions, and they're gonna look like very like real, raw, and, and simple. Yeah. And so I just remember I'd been to numerous youth camps, prayed the prayer of salvation. Salvation. I've heard this story in other people's lives, but still, every night before bed, would be like, Jesus, I invite you into my heart. And because there was genuine like concern, I don't want to spend life in, in the bad place or whatever. And no one was like threatening me with the fear of, of hell or anything like that. It just was real. It was human. It's human nature to wrestle with that. And so I think boiling down what's, what's so interesting is we can look at questions that kids have, especially like young, young kids want to know why, why, why. They want to know how things work and all of that. And for me, the question revolved more so around like fear. And I know it's so interesting. I kind of alluded to that earlier with, with previous story. But I'd say like the first decade of my life, I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior at five years old after watching Jaws. <laughs> um, it was just playing on the TV while my mom was cooking dinner. Yeah. And I'm in there going, happy little dude, playing with my toys. And then I see a shark bite off a kid's arm. Oh. And, you know, if a little five-year-old living in Montana in the woods, like up in the mountains, I have no grid for that kind of terror. Right, 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 right. I live in Florida now, you know, in Pompano Beach, or in, in, and I'll go, you know, snorkel in the Keys or whatnot. Hammerhead sh- shows up, and it's like, whoa, that's crazy. And it's, you know, it's, it's startling, but I just have a different grid for that. But as a kid, I, it just was an all-consuming terror. What was the line that he goes, uh, black eyes, like a thousand eyes? <laughs> it's scary. <laughs> Yeah, so let's so imagine a little five-year-old me. I've seen pictures of a shark, but I've never seen a shark attack until that moment. And so then I just come and, whoa, they're going to get me. And she goes, she just like a praying warrior mama, mama bear. You know, she just goes, you know, how to, thankfully it was like listening to the heart of God in that moment. You know, if Jesus is at home in your heart, she said this to me at five years old, then fear can't have a home there. She's like, do you want Jesus to like forever take that place? And I was like, yeah. Absolutely. What's so interesting, though, is that has been like connected to like a lifeline of my story. It's so interesting how God will meet you at a place of need, but that need will never disappear or for him to like come and fill that space. It's not like I never feel fear. It's really interesting. My identity, my anointing, what he's walked me through, my greatest breakthroughs have been in places where I go, I'm actually fearless, not because I don't feel fear, but because I just go, I want to see what you can do in this area. And I trust you, Jesus, wholeheartedly. It's a trust thing more than anything. But that also means on that same coin, the other side of that coin is I'm the same person that doesn't want to grab the microphone or talk at all. I'm somebody who doesn't want to step into my own dreams, even though I am a created dreamer. I literally cannot. I'm a dream factory as a person. I'm afraid to step into my own dreams. I'm conscious of that, but I just think it's, it's not practical to go, Jesus knows that our identity words, our victory words, the promises he's spoken over us are in line and on, on the very opposite of the very things that like, you know, war against our, our hearts and our souls. Or, or the, it's the very, it's the core stuff, like the, the core needs, the core issues. His promises come and confront those directly. But so, so my early years weren't so much like, God, are you real? I had seen, you know, I, I could see him like moving in people's lives at church. For me, it was God who are you, like, where, where are you in, in this place of, of need? It's not just, are you real? Am I going to heaven? Do you love me? I'd experience those things. I, I think this comes back to me, one to 10, asking hard questions. You had mentioned that you have had breakthroughs with fear, mm-hmm. specifically. Yeah. 
what were some of those breakthroughs? Yeah. If you don't mind going into totally. detail of like just anything that jumps out to you that you feel were one of the most impactful and the most shining examples of deliverance where God's been able to change and break that off of you. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, honestly, from from a young age, just have had a lot of like favor with people. Not not because I'm cool as probably one of the dorkiest junior hires ever. Like we all have those awkward phases. We just do. But I just it look back at pictures of myself, not like looking down at myself. I just go, well, there was no reason why so many people should have liked you or been like thought you were the best friend. But it's it's a God favor. The the beauty of it is we don't live in this human approval kind of thing. And as much as I did as a kid or into junior high and in high school, looked for approval from everybody. There's a part of me that got that, that just knew I already had God's approval. Yeah. I was his son. We're his sons and daughters. And so I already knew that. That was established at a core age. And, I, and my heart hurts for people that don't know that. But he will come to answer that definitively. It's not, you won't have to ask that question. And you might go living, seeking approval for a long time in your life, even while knowing you're approved of, you're loved wholeheartedly, unconditionally. And I did that. But that thing that's the nature of being a human because you don't just ever stop. There's a part of us that does that. But it was more than that as a kid. It was me going, I know I'm approved. God, my father, God approves of me. I know he loves me. What do I do with this favor thing? That's another level of this. And so people would throw out words like leadership and influence and, you know, all of that. And so, so real like stuff for me came, came down to like, acknowledging and realizing like God didn't just put me or allow me to be connected to a situation. Encouragement is beautiful. Friendship is awesome. It's Jesus. But he, he's given me the ability to connect with people or put leadership on my life for, for a reason. And there's part, there was part of me that just went, I can't do it. I can't step into somebody's problems or whatever and have all the answers. And he goes, yeah, I just, I, I, you're an extension of my heart kind of a thing. And so, so you were afraid your, your fear was, was in kind of your own realization of your identity that yeah. has been giving it to you. Yeah. And I mean, cause, cause I could tell stories of like, you know, I went on the mission on this mission strip and saw this person touched by God and I've seen this, but for me, like it, it wasn't even so much the, these stories of seeing God move where like fear was confronted. It actually had to be confronted in the, in these areas of going, okay, God, I know what you've said about me. What is, how, do, how do I live that out? If, does that make sense? Yeah. And so it's one thing to like be encouraged and it's another thing to go into the world with that, you know, encouragement and go and, and face the real stuff. And so I think breakthrough came when I just, when I, when I came in and I surrendered and I said, God, I'm, I'm going to be who you've created me to be, but I need you to be who you are too. And so. And how old are you when you're, when you're having this? Yeah. Pro- I mean, probably junior high, junior. early high school. Yeah. Just realizing, okay, there's, there's a real leadership mantle on my life. God, how, how do I do this in a way that's not just looking for people's approval? How, how, do, how do I walk out with you what, what, where you're leading us, where you're leading me? It's a big responsibility. And so anybody, you know, anybody that's listening, like I would imagine anybody that listens to this podcast on some level, is like saying yes to their destiny. You walk in this place, the harbor, for one minute and, and there's like already connection to your destiny and there's something that comes alive in you that says yes to that. But it, but it is a it is a journey for sure, and specifically, I'll say this: is it's not just the people that are coming in that have never had their identity or their destiny spoken to. What what does it mean when we have 
a culture that's looking to raise up sons and daughters that from a young age know they were created with purpose, destiny, identity. These are the, these are the students my wife and I have been leading for the last 10 years. We just handed off the youth ministry about a year ago. But it's, that's been a, a wild one. Is how, do you, how do you not just teach a student they're loved and how to walk out, make right choices? It's, man, I, I have to be secure in my identity to lead other ones that are secure in their identity. How, how do we do this in a way that it's not just who you are, it's, it's how, you, how you live that out? And so I, I knew I, it was so interesting that God would like walk me through real, not just character development, but identity development ministry in action, leadership in action at 13, 14 missions trips with friends, whatever that is, for a reason, so that, that I can look at a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 14-year-old and go, you're, you're a giant in the kingdom. And I'm not just saying that. God asked me to call out a student at a summer camp, a sixth grader at the time, go, you're a giant. You, you, you are so big and mighty. And she actually closed out the whole camp, closed out the whole camp, just prophesying and sharing what God had done in her life that week, wrecked the room. And sixth grader, this is with junior high and high schoolers, just sharing like what God was talking to her about, what he was doing in her life. And it's because it wasn't just, we can meet people low and that's, that's good. That's a good place to be. But, but there's something in them that goes, I know there's greatness in me. Like who, who will come up high with me? And so from a young age, God was like, get over the fear of going high. Can I just say this too? The first thing God spoke to me when I walked into the harbor, I was here for maybe 10 minutes, walked in and God said, "Um, open your wings, you're out of the cage. And I was at a a mega church and it's a beautiful church, it's a wonderful church, but spiritually, as far as my identity and the capacity that I knew how to live in in the way that God created me to be like free, free in, in my identity, free in the relationship and into the places that he wanted to take me, the heights that he wanted to take me. He's like, open your wings. And I literally, in my, and just in my imagination, saw a wing stretch out and it was about 15, 20 feet wide and 15, 20 feet wide on the other side. And I, and I literally, in internal conversation with God, I said, I didn't know I was that big. And, and he, you know, and his response is, well, you need wings that big to fly as high as I want to take you. Like uh, you, you need to be, you need to know who you are to go where I want to take you. And so you know, I said yes. We, my wife and I said yes to coming down here. But it's even like it's self-discovery with the family of God. It's beautiful. And it doesn't, it doesn't sound like an answer to, answer to your question, but it's less about seeing one instant of fear breakthrough, one testimony. It, but, but this fear thing has been like, I know there's a cheesy quote, but it's, we're not afraid of our failure. We're actually afraid of our greatness. I know I'm doing a bad job of like quoting this, but I think it's coach Carter or whatever. One of the kids (laughs) stands up and is like, Hey, this is, I'm going to be real. I think the core fear isn't failure, not being accepted of, of bad things happening. We've all lived through really hard stuff. We've already had to, and granted there's like, there's defense mechanisms that go, I don't want to be hurt again. I get that. That's very real. But if we go after core fear, it's like, I'm afraid to believe it's true. Because what if it's not? Because it speaks to something so deep in us that knows it's true. That when God starts to speak to our, our, our spirit and our destiny and identity, that there's, a, there's where fear can be really uprooted. And there's a reason God went after that, I think, early in my life, because I want to see that uprooted in everybody's life. There's a thousand things that I want to follow up on. I just want to touch on right now what yeah. you said. You said a fear of going higher. Mm. Okay. I always find it fascinating, and I'd love to hear your thoughts and feelings on it. I always find it fascinating in Scripture when there's an angel or the presence of the Lord 
is showing up, the first thing he always says is, fear not. Mm. And I I was going with him. I'm like, why? Mm. Why are people, why would people, their instinct, their first reaction to be afraid of such just like glory, right? And it's it's exactly what you are saying, that he was telling me some people are afraid of letting me take them mm. where I see them. Mm. You just you just distilled everything I said in ten minutes down into one one sentence. Well, I just wanted to see. That's why I need people like you. <laughs> I just wanted to see. Do you feel this is a big time issue mm. amongst believers, young mm. believers, old believers? Because it, it, it this this can translate through all all ages, all all time length with him. Mm. Do you feel like that's an issue that people have? Yeah, and I, I don't even want to say it's it's an issue. I think what it does. It's so interesting that an encounter with an angel is actually an introduction because up until that point, Jesus himself had not walked the earth. And yet, if Jesus had come in his glory, the way we read about him in, in Revelation, the earth is undone entirely. Right, right. So he came the opposite, you know what I mean? And it's beautiful that you actually had to like have eyes to see and ears to hear who he really was, which is beautiful. And so we see angels who are servants, not not even like archangels or whatever else. You know, I mean, there's a couple archangel encounters for sure. But but it's so interesting that there's there's a brief encounter with this other kingdom for a minute. And the the wild part is that the angels are warrior servants there. It's it's crazy that angels actually have a part in our prayer, into the fulfillment of our prayer. It's the nature of God to go, I've created everything with a purpose, my sons and daughters included. But angels weren't created in his image. And so I find it so interesting that the, the core of that fly higher, that come up higher reality, isn't so much the knowing that we are created in his image, that we are sons of God, sons and daughters of God Almighty. It's a reality that that reality was put on an orphan planet, on, a, on, on the, the definition of of our, our current reality in the world's terms is orphan and it's survival and it's, it's self-care. It's like we, we are genuinely alone. And I, and I don't, I'm not speaking that as hopeless, hopelessness. I'm just saying I, I don't care like how good of friends anybody in the earth has without Jesus. There's stuff you have to walk through alone. Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. The Bible, the Bible says a crazy mystery. He is in us and we are in him. That means like he's in and then we're, we're inside of a bubble. Like it's, I find it so fascinating. He chose those words because there's not even just a filling, but you're not covered. And it's not just, it's not that you're covered and you, you're not filled. I'm taking care of both. And there, there had to be that answer. There was something real inside of us that, that needed to know. He would fill us in from the inside and cover us from the outside. Because, because the reality that we're born into, we don't have words for most people. Ask like a 50-year-old doctor about an orphan identity. And he'd probably, be like, he'd probably understand that, but not, not have ever approached that in his own life of going, Here, here's where like, the orphan part of me lives this out. And so I'd say, I'd say like, that's, that's when, you, when you take an orphan and you bring him into like kingdom and say, you're, you're, you're a son or you're a daughter, there, 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 there's something that has to be removed in that. And I, just, I feel like that's, that's really what we, what we encounter. Two things that I have to just yeah. say, and then we'll let, again, yeah. Holy Spirit flow. First thing, I've always felt this about you, mm. 
and about your wife, Amanda Joe. In the military and in the army, there are people who are in charge of the weaponry, mm-hmm. like the barracks masters. And you and your wife, Amanda, have always, I've always seen you as like heavenly equippers mm-hmm. that, that the weapon that the Lord has for that individual that's been highlighted to you, he's given you the language and the ability mm. to this is this is what he has for you. Mm. Take it and run with it. That's awesome. Right? As an equipper. Yeah. So I just wanted to say that. Mm. Okay. Thank you. Going into the youth. Mm. Okay. You gave you were in charge of youth ministry here for how long? You said ten years? Um so we we led youth here probably five or six years. Five or six years? Okay. And then previously seven years. Okay. So yeah. over a decade. Mm-hmm. I am now I think this is my third year being a middle school teacher. Mm, yeah. Okay, so I'm beginning to understand the magnitude of it. Can we talk about youth? Totally. Yeah. Can, can we talk about how important it is to not only just reach the youth, but highlight the youth, mm. emphasize yeah. on the importance of spiritual growth in the youth? Yeah. Because when I was younger, I always felt this, that... Youth was just kind of like a daycare mm. that they played nice stories and nice worship songs. Yeah. And you really got to like experience Jesus when you got older and you got into the main sanctuary. That was mm. my experience. Yeah. Now, as an adult, it's just like what 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 was going on back then? Mm-hmm. You know, because it's I've you realize it's just it's just highlighted on his heart just to pour into these yeah. into these kids. Can you talk about yeah. your decision, you and Amanda Joe's decision to First of all, get involved, yeah. And some of the highlights that have gone uh, that have gone on in that process of wow. saying yes to that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll, I'll keep this part more short because this is like you know an entire you know novel of, of life has been the past ten years of youth ministry. And, and I'll just say this, you know, just being sensitive to what, what Holy Spirit's saying, I'll say youth ministry is not like a lesser ministry, right? You know, right, yeah. And, and anyone, it's actually so important and not just so important it's like it's vital it's vital it's vital and there's work done in places like you you won't see where that work was done but like you'll see the fruit of it later it's like roots are really found in in that place or in and, and there's i really feel like it's like tending to plants like you're just the there's certain pruning moments that are painful and hard yourself included but you're really like you're caring for these 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 ones that are in a season of life if you look at a tree when it's when it's young oh my gosh like it's 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 facing yeah i feel like i'm supposed to say this it's actually facing a reality that a a big tree has weathered for decades if you think about that think about the fact that that like a young a young tree like one that's getting like blown around when it's facing pests soil stuff all this other stuff but hasn't had the seasons to fully like take root yet and but but they're facing the same reality and so, so if there was ever a time to be covered, ever a time to be tended to, even if they don't want to, you know, be, even if there's a lot of mess in the process, it, it's a time that goes like, we need to be aware. They're, they're facing real stuff, not just school stuff. It's, it's very real reality. And so with that being said, youth ministry teachers are my absolute heroes. And not, not only that, my, my, some of the most powerful leaders right now in, in the church worldwide that came up through youth ministry and would not be who they are without leading and being faithful in that, that space. I don't believe God would have allowed them to have the place that they have. Why? Because we're still God's kids. We're still walking through so much of the stuff 
that happened in those formative years. There's a lot of process that's still happening that started back then. I really believe there's a reason like this, this thing is connected. It really is. And so with that being said, it it is really simple. I think my wife and I just said yes, yes to youth ministry because we have a heart for the ones that are overlooked, you know, this, this generation that just people don't know what to do with. And, and we didn't have necessarily an answer or or even we, we really didn't have anything to offer other than like unconditional love. Cause there was a part of us, a man and I both of value that we carry that go, well, if, if God sees everything, if he, if he knows every decision, if he sees our brokenness and our dysfunction and, and the bad choices we've made, and he knows that and loves us fully, then how could I as a leader live any way else? You know, you could hurt me and you can say things that hurt me, but I want to love like Jesus because especially in that place, I, I would say this, I believe my wife and I answered a call to youth, youth ministry because that was, we needed ourselves at that age. I, I just believe it. She, her, her leadership looked different than mine at that age. But I think there was something in our heart that went, if I could, in a, in a little way, be what, what I needed, I know my life would have been even different in that, in that age. And so that's really why we said that. Man, so many stories. It's so crazy. I, I love what you said about, you know, equipping military equippers. It's my favorite thing. I know this is going to freaking, I, I want like kingdom people to like, you know, jump in on this, not because I'm saying awesome stuff, because like I, I could literally just hear cheering in this, in the spirit yeah. that I want to give kids guns. Yeah, I know yeah. that's a crazy, yeah, yeah. I know like if you took that sound bite out. <laughs> oh, that's what we're going to run on Instagram. Okay. So, okay. okay. But I want to give kids heavy, heavy artillery, genuinely, because there's something pure. They, they literally, there's something so fun about like giving an anointed daughter a microphone and letting her sing a spontaneous song. It doesn't hit it in every note perfectly. It doesn't matter, actually. There's so many awesome, powerful sons and daughters in the kingdom. It's, it's just amazing. But to see that it, it is so fun. And, and one girl in particular, it was just so fun. And she, she would just confront directly any junk that was shutting down what God wanted to do in the room. She'd go, okay here's what God wants to do. Here's what we're not letting him do. And we're going to let him do what he wants to do. So here's the decisions that we're going to make together. This is stuff that like, I want to say, and I love them, but they go, okay, you're my youth leader. And I'm going to do this because you asked me to. But when one of their, you know, classmates steps up and operates in her anointing, which we, you know, we, we prophesied over, you have a breaker anointing, you're going to break stuff off of people. Uh, pause for a second. It's one thing to prophesy something over somebody. It's another thing to go, you have freedom to do it. I'm with you and I will stand out of the way because there's something that goes, there's part of us in, in, in church reality, even kingdom reality, sometimes it goes, we can see destiny in people, but it is, it's sometimes like messy and it's, and it's sometimes it, it, it's, it's strange. I shouldn't say strange, but it's just, it's not, we haven't worked out the kinks perfectly. And as adults, I mean, there, we, we, there's this control issue. Then we go, man, we want stability. And I'm, I'm telling you that the, in, in the kingdom, like stability isn't, isn't a God reality other than like his, his foundation, you know, uh, other than find, finding security in him. But, but some of the best moments have been when my hands are off and I go, God, I trust you that you're leading this student and that they're walking in what you're saying. And even if they don't, guess what? There's so much grace to cover that. And the beauty of it is it doesn't just stop with a, an awesome service where, you know, like a high schooler is prophesying over adults and releasing a word that is changing people's lives. That's beautiful. But the reality is, is like when she or he is, is allowed to do that and does that, they're, they're 
response on and, and they are then activated and all they want to do is release other people into that themselves. They go, this is my reality. Like, why would I live any less? And so, so that's, that's where my wife and I just love like to bring, you know, students into is like, you're created, called with a purpose, loved unconditionally, come out of this orphan identity into who God created you to be, you to be, not who some, someone else is, no comparison here. That's, that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit, like releasing gifts, anointing, and even words like specifically. And then we just get, we get to cultivate that. It's not easy, but it's, it's, it's simple. So now you are in a transition phase. I had a feeling I was going to go here. <laughs> not because I have an answer for the future, but I just, you know, when, you know, when God's like leading you into like big, yeah, yeah. you're like, oh, it's, but it's unknown big. Right. Yeah. So you, you hand it off. Mm-hmm youth ministry and now you are yeah. involved still leadership talking but there is you can just feel there's still something yeah. that you guys are settling in on yeah. can you talk about that process of letting go because a lot of people might want to hold on to this window that has that has good things that has changed lives that they felt their identity but they're kind of resistance on the lord saying mm. there's something else mm that I have for you, let go of past moments so I can bring you into this new. Okay, can you talk about that process of letting go and walking into the unknown of this new season, this new phase that God has for you? Yeah. Well, I'll even say this, is is God's teaching me right now, and man, what, what a year. It's dysfunctionally beautiful, like genuinely, because like, I, I don't know if I would have ever stopped for an entire year plus, but stopped and go, we just kind of let life happen. I don't say let life happen, but it does just happen. And so we're, we're always looking to the next thing, but I, and I think we're all looking for this thing to be over for, for pandemic to be over, but I don't know if anybody's looking and going like, well, here's the future plans I have for myself and all of this stuff. Cause we're all in a, in a state of need and wonder yeah. and questioning. And it's a good place. And I love the church and I love what's coming out of the church in this season but I would caution us as the church to think just because we've got, got, got along with God and prayed into like what he's doing in 2020, we now have the answer. I think there's so much that God's going like, hey, I actually want to recalibrate how you live mm-hmm. from 2020 forward of going, not just going like, what do you have for us for the next 10 years and 50 years or whatever? There's part of human nature that I think would just kind of like go, go, go and not actually sit and see. We talked about 2020 vision at the beginning of 2020, but it takes time, like real time. And, it, and I've gone to the optometrist recently and God gave me the picture of that. It's, there's a whole process involved in calibrating what we see. But the reality is, is we don't just see at the optometrist better. We have to get new lenses. You know, we have mm-hmm. genuinely. And, 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 and the reality is, man, my prayer for the church is that we would see differently and live differently. Not to say we have done everything wrong. We certainly have done so much right. But I think there's a lot God wants to change. I really do. With that being said, I can say that like with hope and prayer and just all of the faith for what God is doing because I trust him with the church. I just do. Darren's not the one that necessarily leads our church, even though he does. Right. I love Darren's transparent heart to go, Jesus leads this church and I follow Jesus wholeheartedly. But it doesn't just stop with my perspective for the church. It starts with me and it goes like, God, like, what are you what are you speaking to me in this season? Genuinely. And the reality is, it's like a lot of what he's speaking, I believe, to each person is for us. 
I don't believe it's a season to go. I think this is what everybody else should be doing. It's a, it's a, it's a moment to be responsible and be aware of what, what he's speaking over us. And so this transition, is, it's been good. It's been really interesting to leave a decade plus of youth ministry behind. And I could not be more ready to transition, not because necessarily I'm tired and I, I don't love youth ministry anymore. I just knew it was, it was a shift of seasons. It was time, it was time to transition. My wife heard, heard pretty specifically from God, like we would be in someone else's seat and there would be seats available that we would not be filling that we were intended to fill if we were not moving. And so what's so interesting about that is like sometimes we go, I will be most active in my identity. I'll be most alive in who God created me to be when this picture of ourselves comes to pass, like this, this hope of us doing the fullness of what we were created to do in the best possible scenario. We're, just, we're humans. That's how we think. We, we want the best, and so we kind of visualize this reality. And so, I've, and I feel like what God's done in 2020 is go like, actually, like every year, every season is what it was supposed to be. It sounds super Pinteresty. It sounds super <laughs> cliche, super duper. But it goes, are we too big in our own mind to go, oh, I, I did not allow God to be God and do what he had for me in this past five years. But maybe in the next five years, I'll see more of what so-and-so prophesied over me or what I've been praying into. And, and then I will believe more. Then I will walk with more faith. All this other, like, It's an if-then kind of thing that we, we find ourselves in. But the reality is like we're not that big. Like genuinely, like I'm not that big. There, there's even doors that I would have shut that the Bible says like there, there's doors that God will open that no man can shut, myself included. My current job, I would have shut that door. I didn't know how God like set up it was. I work for a Catholic nonprofit. It's on the Forbes 50 best or like 30 of the best nonprofits in the entire world. Wow. And we're unknown, you know, basically at this point. But the, I, I love it. I love that we're unknown because our, our heart is just to be faithful. I use that as, as an example to go, that's a door I probably would have shut. That's a door that I would, that I would have gone if I'm working for it. X nonprofit, if I'm overseas doing this thing that I think would show myself and other people that I'm living in my destiny, then that's where like, I'm, I'm in my fullness, not in this old hospital building in Pompano Beach, you know, designing websites that I'm not holding African kids, but like thousands of African kids are being fed, provided with education, food and water just because of like what I get to do daily. But that's a door I would have shut because it was lesser than. If, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I just use that as like a, an example to go, even in seasons where I go, I don't feel full. I don't feel like this is fullness. I'm looking, oh, God's like, would you see from my eyes? 2020, like, yeah. would you see how I see it? And, and, and this isn't just this year, but, it, but and I'm not trying to be cliche or cheesy, but it's real. And so this coming into the future, all I can tell you is like, I know God's prepared us. I know that there's been seasons of faithfulness and stewardship of lives. There's nothing more like holy than being faithful and stewarding like lives, specifically of God's kids. And, you know, there's a ton of grace for the areas that, you know, you lose your, lose your patience or whatever, but um, it's been good. And so with that being said, and moving forward, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what comes, but I, I just know there's something in my heart that like the Lord won't, will not let me get away from is the word culture. Like I believe he's so insistent on like the culture we create with our lives. And I just think there's stuff stirring in me and, and, and this is not like building myself up at all. I just go, God, you've given me stuff. My literal name, Spencer, means a dispenser or a giver away, a steward. 
And so my prayer is, God, I want to be a steward unto things that are like shaping the nation or even shaping cultures, ethnic cultures, the black community, the Latin community in this area. Not because I have a voice, but I genuinely want to see Jesus's, you know, design for how we do life together happen. And so I know that's a really like big thing to say, but there's stuff stirring in my spirit that's scary big, like good, good scary, where I just go, God, like, I know, I know you, you show us blueprints, your kids, the desires of your heart. We're not the fulfillment of those desires. You are. But, but you entrust us to say, hey, God has a plan, and we want, we want to walk this out with him. There are hours and hours of us to go to. 100%. Just to wrap up, I want to give space just for the Holy Spirit right mm. now, just feeling really led. And Spencer, I want to ask you, there's someone who's listening right now that needs to hear an equipping. So I just want to give you the space. Spencer, mm. take as much time as you want. Mm. But let's just let's just give it to them and, and just be faithful. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. Yeah. The, and, and what's so interesting is I, I don't want to necessarily teach, but I want to impart, if that's okay. Yeah. And, and something that I've learned since moving here to Florida, as you were asking the question prophetically, and obviously I would imagine most of our audience comes from Harbor, but anybody that, you know, isn't super familiar with the prophetic, it's just that God gives language to love. God gives language to how he's working and who he is in a better way than we can even give. What's so wild is, I don't know, if you listen to an artist sometimes try to like write the song, we listen to powerful, beautiful songs, and it's the best the artist can do to articulate this expression, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and so imagine like feeling the heart of God. We need more than just a language of our own. So with that being said, that's what prophecy is. You know, it's not any any weird thing that someone else has maybe misdefined it as or you know misrepresented it as it's, it's god's heart opening unlocking parts of us to understand who he is mm-hmm. I, I feel this like prophecy even like how god speaks is unlocks understanding in us but not understanding of necessarily just something to learn it's us understanding i know this is going to sound but it, strange it's us understanding that he understands it's us going whoa you know what you meant when you said what you said. Jesus, I really believe there's not one letter of what Jesus said that was not perfectly intentional. And so the reality is, and I've been learning, my wife and I are active at the prophetic ministry here at the church, that Jesus doesn't waste words. He means what he says, and that's become a value in my, in my, my spirit of like, even anytime I talk to somebody, God, if you share something for this person, it doesn't mean I have to like, grovel and be like, oh, I have this heavy word. It's not that at all. It's just, God, you mean what you say. So if, if you're speaking destiny, if you're speaking life over somebody, who am I to doubt that? Because you don't, you know? So with that being said, I just, I, God, show me a picture of an orange as you were asking that question. It's, it's a pretty kind of unique picture, but it's also pretty specific to Darren and, and the call down here, that the, the, the person that called him out of a crowd prophesied over Darren's life about this church plant that he saw an orange in his eye, you know, that it was uh, specific to Florida, this location, and that there'd be a church plant. And I I use that word specifically, plant, because uh, I saw an orange and God brought me back to a lesson by, or or something, a testimony that Melissa Helzer, she's a worship leader, shared. And it's been something that's like, like in my heart, but she says, "I'm, I'm looking for something sustainable. You know, like I'm not looking for something seasonal. Like I, w- I want something that will endure. And what God plants on earth, what he plants, 
is actually eternal. It actually, it doesn't end with our lives. So that's, that's, that's like, if there's ever a question of like, what am I created for? I believe the world is asking that question. What am I created for? It's to plant, to cultivate and steward something eternal and to see fruit bear that produces more fruit in the earth that doesn't end with your life, that, that is bigger than you know. And so, so I could talk for a while, but I'm gonna make this very short. But she, she shares a story of coming down to Florida. They live up in, I think, South Carolina, North Carolina. And they met with a farmer and they saw this tree, young tree, and, but it was full of fruit. And she's like, oh, that's beautiful. But they're, they're cutting off the, the, the oranges off this tree before they were ripe. She asked the question, why would they ruin and cut down oranges on a tree that could be grown and we can eat them? And, and why would you throw away good fruit on a tree? And, and the farmer said, it's because this tree isn't ready to produce that fruit. That if this tree bore the fruit that you're seeing right now, like full orange tree, that actually the weight of the fruit would tip this entire tree over, ripping out its roots. This tree would be done. Like there, there's no life left for this tree. It's out of care for the tree that the fruit isn't allowed to mature to its fullness. And the crazy part is I know we've heard, maybe, maybe no one's ever heard this in this podcast. I know I've heard it, but it didn't make sense to me until that point of, God, it's out of your mercy and your grace that you go, you have fullness for us, but it's not at the expense of it being too heavy for us. It's not the fulfillment of what you have for us in this season. I trust you that you know my capacity, that it, what, what, is, what is coming out of my life, what I'm saying yes to, what you're doing in my life is enough right now. And then in the seasons that you have fullness, it will be more because that's the, that's the nature of who he is, is more. But, it, but the reality, I just believe, is just going like, do we trust God with ourselves? Because there's part of us that goes, I'm bearing fruit in these areas. Here's my ability. Here's what I can do. I'm thinking of even the youth that go, here's, my, here's what I want to do. Here's what I'm capable of doing. And the reality is I, I've seen before students take on and bear fruit, not godly fruit, but just develop things in their lives that are too heavy for them, that the infrastructure of their life isn't established yet. And it's not fun to allow God to do all that inner work when we, when we see other people, the outer work happening in their lives, money, careers, dream, whatever the things going after what they want to do. But I know there's been seasons where I would have gone after a dream that was not a God thing for my life. And I, I would not be here. I, I, most likely, I, I, my roots would not be intact. I probably would have been tipped over pretending like, oh, I'm full, but not growing. Right. But, and, and that's not shame on anybody, but it's genuine truth going like, Lord, you, you know what to, what to establish and grow in me. I trust you with that. It's unto being able to bear the fruit that we know, you know, that we have. And so it's not just me imparting something that I already do perfectly. It's me saying yes to that process because my life, my, my life, my wife's life has borne fruit in areas, but we're like, God, do whatever you need to do so that my life continues to be more fruitful. Why? Why would our lives be more fruitful? When Amanda and I moved down here, we're sitting at the beach. We had never lived by the beach before. So we're like, this is amazing. We live where other people, you know, vacation. vacation. Yeah, this is our new reality, right. posting pictures and all of our right. friends, you know, Staying like. Staying away from the sharks, but still. Totally. <laughs> all of our friends in Indiana, Idaho, wherever, is are like, I'm cold. And we're like, I'm great. But I, I'm sitting there and, and God just gave me a picture of an apple core, like all eaten. And this is us coming out of a season of a lot of sacrifice. And I'll end, I'll end with this but a season of a lot of sacrifice. And, and God showed me this apple core all eaten up, but there were like three seeds in it. And he was like, this is your life right now, coming to Florida. Yeah, that's what it feels like because we're tired. 
we had given a lot and we came out of a culture that just required a lot. And so we came here just going like, Lord, we need some healing. We need some restoration. We don't know what's next, but we just say yes to you. Show me this picture of an apple core. So I drew it because I like to draw and I just put it in my Bible. And then I'm here, I'm here at a, a worship set or a service and I pull that out of my Bible and God was like, do you want to know what that means? It's like, you've given your life to be eaten of fruit. You, you, your life has fed people, but now it's time to like be buried. <laughs> now it's time to like go in, into the ground and, and, and grow. And I, in my, in my head went, oh my gosh, I would love to. I, I need rest, but also like I want to grow. And I saw three seeds and I was like, God, if my life up to this point had been one apple and I was able to give my life away, see people fed from what I've previously given, you're showing me that there's three more to come. And God, I heard him like laughing. He's like, one seed does not equal one apple. One seed equals an entire tree. It's only until you, you, you literally say yes. And, and, and I, know, I know some people aren't called to like full-time ministry and that's okay. But there is something, there is a reality that goes, when you fully give your life to God, you see what's really there, what's at the core of who you are. And not only that, but then God can do something with what's at the core. Not like you doing something with what this shiny, beautiful apple on the outside. Look at what I have. It's, you, I, I felt like my life had been given away. There was, I felt like there was, I don't say loss, but real sacrifice. And I didn't feel full. I didn't feel whole like this apple, but I knew it was God. And sometimes there will be times where we've said yes to God and we don't feel whole. But the beauty is like we've given our lives where we said yes to him. And what remains is like what, what he can work with. And it's bigger than we know. It's so funny that my initial response was, wow, I've said yes to you and you want to bless me with a capacity of three, three more of what I've just experienced. That's my faith perspective. Three more of all, all the goodness that I just saw. And God's like, my economy is so different. It's a tree and not, and not just a tree that like bears one season of fruit. This is season after season after season. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for saying yes to this. Thank you for coming on. It's been amazing. There's a lot to unpack yeah. here and we'll definitely have you back on again. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much. I'll, I'll, I'll just preface everything I just said with, I, there are times where I can be very specific answer very directly and there's times when i know i'm just supposed to literally just like set the table and go take take whatever you you want to eat from and it not, like just that's that's what i would tell the youth hey i'm about to like put out the buffet so you, there's god's gonna speak because he's faithful yeah. but but i might not say one clear message this is just like from my life this is kind of like the stuff that's been been growing in my life so that's that's kind of the, the thought it's needed thank you man. awesome Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Transformation Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.